Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. The winds of change continue to blow through Steelers Nation, bringing with it a bracing dose of reality, and not all of it what we had hoped for. It's January 20th, 2019, episode 75. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Well, we have lost Le'Veon. We'll probably lose A.B., Potentially lost our kicking game. Hugh Jackson, we've lost him as an AFC North coach and a sure win. And uh, I want to credit Warren Warren Sharp for that statistic. And now we have lost one of the primary tendons holding together this team, a respected veteran presence and a teacher of men. Morgan Burnett is taking his talents elsewhere. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it! They can, nobody's staying. Will there be any stars left in Pittsburgh? The answer is surely no. Remember that past breakup Morgan Burnett had that one time? I do too. It was the height of his Steelers career. And here we are, hearing from Ian Rappaport, the most reliable reporter in all of the sports world, that he so, has not formally requested a trade, but that he's looking for a trade. Here's also, like my back, Mike Munchak is leaving. Well, <laughs> let's bury the lead. Here's a guy who up. saw action in 11 <laughs> games. He started two. He had 17 solo tackles. It's, it's, it's not even Come worth. On. It's not even really worth pointing well, out the I'm, stats. It's, it's just a fail. It's, it's a failed experiment. We really don't want to. We're not coming here to talk about Morgan Burnett for you guys. We're going to talk about Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak, but. <clears throat> he, I just uh, want to set this up. I mean, that that those are the statistics behind a guy who is unhappy. He's unhappy. Why? Because he was playing dime linebacker and he wants to go back to his natural position at safety. Sure, it it, it, it literally does not matter. That I mean, he was going, he was going to be gone either way. Sort of why we figured we'd set you guys up with the Dipsy duo. Oh, it's not that bad. It's just Morgan Burnett who's leaving. He played in three games and. Couldn't do anything in any of those games that he played, and he's a little bit over the hill. He also played dime linebacker for the Packers his last season, so I don't know where he's going to find that safety opportunity, but I don't really care, and I'm sure the Steelers don't either. The bummer is, though, of course, after you know missing the playoffs so disappointingly, after seeing that A.B. is probably going to be out of town, Mike Munchak, we thought we were in the blue with him, with Vic Fangio getting picked by John Elway for the head coaching job in Denver. Turns out they were still trying to lure Mike Munchak there, and the Broncos are having a killer 
offseason because it worked. Mike Munchak is going to go take the same position of offensive line coach with the Denver Broncos. And as he pointed out many times himself in the media to make a point out of this and what Steelers fans should have known by now, based on his history, it is a, a decision that was heavily influenced by his family. He has a daughter and a granddaughter out there. And I know his wife wants to move out there closer uh, towards that part of the country. And it was something that they had in mind. It's why he didn't take, um, you know, interviews for other teams uh, or further interviews, like when the Cardinals were trying to give him the job uh, last year when he got through the second round. Well, this one is just a perfect fit for him. And Steelers Nation seems intent on um, on pinning this on Mike Tomlin and the culture of the Steelers for driving Mike Munchak away. Well, that's just not the case. I think it's a minor miracle. Actually, it's a major miracle. A guy with his talent stayed around as long as he did coaching the offensive line. Yeah, you weren't going to get to keep him forever. He got a uh, you know an offer last year to be a head coach. Well, he didn't get an offer, but it was it was shaping up to be that way. This time, he's getting more interviews than almost any other candidate right after the Steelers season ends. So you got to assume that was going to continue. You got to assume you were going to lose him at some point. You're right. It just sucks. It's just another huge blow out of all the coaches. I mean, he's the best one. Um, as far as if you look at offensive defense coordinators and all the position coaches, the guy is pretty much the best offensive line coach in the entire league besides Dante Scarnecchia in New England. It's just situations in Pittsburgh and New England where you're just able to roll out linemen there year after year and have them do well. And now obviously the Steelers have had great continuity and high draft picks along that line. But whenever, you know, Beecham had to play, whenever Finney had to play, even Chooks had a decent game in there. Filer, uh, you're seemingly able to just keep Ben protected as long as Munchak was there. Well, I think the key word is continuity. And I was heartened to know uh, when we, we learned the replacement is going to be Sean Sarrett. Sarrett, yeah, Sarrett, here we go with another name I can't pronounce. But he's been on the team for since 2012 as the assistant to the offensive line coach. I think he was the deputy assistant before that. But anyway, he's come up. I mean, just as Munchak's been a good teacher for the offensive line, hopefully he's instilled that in Surrett. And Surrett has, con- has continuity with the players as well. That is a positive, and and he's uh, well-respected in Pittsburgh. I sort of feel similarly to how I felt um, when Haley left with Feetner being there. We didn't know what the upside of Feetner would be. Um, and obviously uh, Haley had his problems, but he really transformed the Steelers' offense and particularly helped evolve Ben's game along the way. But you did feel good knowing, well, Feetner's been there forever, so worst-case scenario, he's going to have a good understanding of what they do already and a good relationship with the players. So hopefully it shouldn't be too much of a dip. And that seems like the case with Sean Serrett, although, of course, I mean, Munchak, you can't compare him to Haley. Munchak is a 100% success. So it is a blow losing him, but at least there was some sort of contingency plan set in place. So I, I did see Mike Tomlin's tweet where he he, he sent a uh, tweet to Surratt saying, don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. Keep it going. Well, uh, it sucks, man. It, it's a bummer. And especially right after AB going, you, you can't deny that that's a big loss. But like we said, I mean – it is nice to see that there's some sort of contingency plan in place and you're returning a bunch of guys. What I'm going to be interested in is seeing if Munchak is able to lure Ramon Foster or BJ Finney out to Denver because you're in a position now with all this AB stuff. It's not really going to affect the salary cap too much this year if they trade him because they, they will be on the hook for what, like 19 or 20 mil this year, sort of regardless. But 
I wish that there was a situation, and I wonder if they'll be able to make this happen, to sign Foster and Finney. Because I think it will be huge to keep Foster on the team. He might have had his best year this past year. And, of course, as a veteran leader, he's really one of the three guys on the team with Pouncey and probably Hayward, uh, who are the real solid core of this uh, of this team. And we know at this stage in the game, protecting Ben is paramount. And it would be great to keep that wall up in front of him. Although I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep both guys. Obviously, it's been sort of a foregone conclusion since before this season started that Foster was going to test free agency and take some money elsewhere. And you wonder if Munchak and uh, some of that available cap space that they have in Denver, not having a franchise quarterback and such, if, if one of those guys is going to get lured out there. Art Rooney, uh, Art Rooney too, had his end of the year wrap up interview and it was packed with a lot of information, starting with his view of the season and what really were the two primary contributors to the to the record. Yeah, I was surprised and, and, and happy to hear him address his reasons for the Steelers season failing so um, deliberately. Yeah, he did say, first and foremost, it was the kicking game, which we I mean, first and foremost, might might not be the language he used because, of course, there's a million reasons why. But a big reason for the Steelers missing the playoffs was the kicking game. He said something like, uh, we went from – we didn't even have a subpar kicking game. It was a terrible kicking game. We went from having one of the best kickers in the league to inexplicably having one of the worst because this choke job by Chris Boswell, who who would have been able to call that? The guy had been nothing but – basically perfection since he had been in Pittsburgh. And like we said, every year, you know, are you going to win a couple of those close games? Well, he was missing routine kicks under 40 yard, under 40 yard kicks in contests that were decided by three or less. So it's not like we're saying, damn, he didn't hit the game winning 50 yarders that we've seen him hit in the past. No, it wasn't even that. He just wasn't even hitting basic field goals, routine plays, We also pointed out the same thing about Ben throwing the pick on the one-yard line against the Broncos at the end of that game. Those are routine plays. It's not like we were mad at him for not marching 90 yards with 40 seconds or something. So Art Rooney pointed that out. The kicking game was a big deal. And then the second big deal uh, was the turnover differential. So he gave the ball away too many times on offense. I think we can all absolutely agree with that. Too many interceptions from Ben, too many random fumbles in the fourth quarter by backup running backs, and unfortunately by the starting running back, James Conner. And then he said, of course, the inability to get turnovers on defense. And he said he believes they can address that issue on defense, the ability to get turnovers. And honestly, I'm not really sure I agree with him with that. You know, it's hard to come by turnovers on defense. You can't, it's sort of circumstantial. Is the quarterback going to throw a a poor ball? Are you going to be able to trick the guy into doing something? How do you know when somebody's going to fumble or not? I think it's more an issue of, do you just have a lot of good players and a good scheme? And I don't know if the Steelers are one player away. I don't think if you get Patrick Peterson, you're going to start taking the ball away all the time, but Hey, you know, you pair him with Joe Hayden, something like that, then it's more of a sum of all the parts. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get a blue chip defensive player through free agency or the draft this year, although it's certainly a, a, a possibility. I just don't, we don't know yet. Yeah, I agree with that. Just to give you some context, I was just looking at the list of turnover differential. Worst in the league were the San Francisco 49ers with minus 25. They had seven takeaways, 32 giveaways. The Steelers were 28th with 11, an 11 differential. 
we had That's 15 terrific. takeaways against 26 giveaways. Well, the 49ers are playing with third string quarterbacks the whole year and they have nobody on defense. And the Steelers are playing with Ben Roethlisberger on offense and six years worth of first round picks on the defense and they can't get it done. So that says a lot when you compare the the teams that the Steelers were hovering around in that turnover differential. I definitely think that can be fixed a little bit next year. You know, a lot of people were whining about the run pass differential this year. I do think some of that um, is sort of misinformed. They're trying to talk about, uh, you know, you pass more, you have more of a, a chance for an interception, which makes total sense. And it's sort of a way of some people actually saying, hey, it's not just Ben making dumb throws. It's the fact that they're throwing so often you're just exposing yourself to more of a chance for that. And, of course, that's true, but it's a little bit more nuanced than that. The Steelers were either the number one or the number two uh, team in screen passes the entire year. And those, yes, they count sort of as as runs or an extension of the run game because um, you know, you're, just, you're really trying to get a couple yards off of those type of plays. Now, it's not exactly like the run game because you're not pounding the other team into submission, you know, in the trenches, which is a critical element of the run game. You're not setting yourself up for play action opportunities, but it is sort of um, utilizing the run game a little bit more. But my bigger point about that was like those are those passes are probably not going to get intercepted. You know, a screen pass, it's very rare for that to get picked. So I understand people saying he's throwing more. He's going to throw more picks. Uh you should throw less like, well, that's what is that causation and um, correlation, correlation and stuff like that. So, uh, but either way you would think if they can get some of that power running game going a little bit more, it's going to open up more of the offense instead of just being one dimensional and predictable and having Ben get in a situation where he's forcing things. So I do agree. They need to fix that run pass ratio next uh, year, but maybe not for the reasons people were saying. Did Art Rooney throw out a red herring when he was talking about Mike Tomlin's performance? When uh, what, specifically, what did he talk about? When you miss a playoff, nobody gets absolved. I think everybody knows we need to do better, including Mike. Uh, Tomlin has two more years left on his contract, and I guess typically this is when they would talk about an right. extension. I don't know if this is time for it, but they're not talking about extension today. Yeah, I think that was a great move by Art Rooney the second. He basically said, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it as far as an extension goes for Tomlin. When they asked about the extension for Ben, he basically said, yeah, it's, it's going to be here sooner rather than later. It's coming right around the corner. Usually that happens in March for Ben. So he, he basically told everybody Ben's getting re-signed, and he basically told everybody else that Tomlin needs to be on notice, and we're going to put the pressure on him a little bit this year because – um, he did absolve him for some of the reasons that we did, you know, earlier with some of the stuff that he couldn't control. He put them in a good position, but hey, you are what your record is, right? And Mike Tomlin needs to do a better job. And I think it's uh, a wise move of him to to fan the flames of the fire, if you will, by not extending him this year and sort of saying, "Hey, you better get your crap together next year because we're not just going to go out handing out the extension at this time." So it was interesting that he chose to send a message in that way. I thought. Did he change the message when he was talking about AB? Because uh, the previous interview, he had said that he didn't, Matt, he couldn't picture AB on the team next year. I don't know if he modulated at this time when he said, you know, it's been it's been disappointing, but he has not yet spoken to him, and he'd like to talk to them to understand the situation a little better. Yeah, that's sort of the message right now is that we can't do anything. He hasn't talked to us, and so I'm not really going to talk about it anymore. And I don't think it was as shocking as the first time he talked about it, saying that it would be difficult for him to envision 
AB being with the team in training camp. Well, that one was more shocking because we didn't, you know, it was the first thing he said about it. We didn't expect him maybe to come out with such with so hard of a stance because when he said that it was really when everyone realized, oh, AB's probably gone. So we already had that knowledge going into this next uh, conference, and he's right. There's we have no idea, but uh, you know we'll, we'll get a, a little bit more on AB later. But that's basically his stance. Like I can't do anything if he's not talking to us. If you weren't certain about how influential this podcast was, from our lips to Art Rooney's ears, he talked about Mike Tomlin having somebody help him with clock management next year. We, and challenges. Got, we got it. One podcast later. The reach of this thing is unbelievable. It's about four of you guys in Idaho, one of you guys in Mexico, and the whole Steelers front office because it looks like they actually are going to pay someone to work with clock management and with the challenge game. My theory is you could get literally anybody on the earth and improve the challenge game, which is 0 for 11 in the past 11 challenges or something like that. But he said uh, they don't want to get somebody – they don't want to hire someone specifically to do that where their only job is helping with challenges and clock management. You know, Like you and I said, I- I'm down for that. Get that guy. Screw it. Pay him out of pocket, Rooney. We know you got the money. We need this guy memorizing the 400 pages of the Excel spreadsheet with every single – time scenario and timeout scenario that you need to enact at the end of the game. But what he suggested was that we take someone who's already on staff and extend their duties to this, which I, I think is a great idea. I mean, I'm, I'm half joking about needing to get someone to solely do that job. I do think someone else can contribute. There's so many people who work for the team, right? It's not rocket and, and the big news from Art Rooney, you mentioned Mexico, is that we are playing in Mexico next year. and We volunteer to do it because we have so many fans down there. That's right. I guess Not so. just the podcast, the team. You never like to hear when your team has to play the London game or the Mexico game just because you uh, – I don't know if they're going to lose a home game for that. It was the Chargers. Oh, you know what? It was the Chargers, so they might have lost a uh, California game, although they don't have a home fleet advantage there in San Diego. So it really is – damn it, not San Diego, Los Angeles. So it's um, – you know – I guess it's all water under the bridge. They both have to travel for it. Should be an awesome event, though. I mean, I don't know how big the Steelers are in Mexico in general. I would assume they'd be really big. You, you think kind of Steelers, Cowboys, Patriots, Packers, the famous Alejandro Villanueva. We do have He's Villanueva. Very big. He's got the Latin roots. So ah, that's true. That goes a long way. So that's kind of cool. Um, but uh, the Steelers always get these high-profile games, whether it's on Christmas or – Thanksgiving. I don't think they've been to London since that game where Adrian Peterson ended them uh, pretty hardcore in Minnesota. But yeah, it looks like they're going to Mexico. We're going to Mexico. And um, I think that brings us up to AB. I guess we need to mention something about him. Oh, Antonio. Just playing with playing with our heartstrings, isn't he? And the man knows exactly what he's doing. So <clears throat> Little update last night. You got to expect, like we told you last week, keep your eyes and ears out on every Saturday and Sunday because that's usually when people news dump. And Ramon Foster was right when he talked about AB being a lot smarter than people give him credit for. He's got some good people working with him, telling him not to put out interviews with James Harrison, not to put out interviews with Ocho Cinco. 
Um, but he, he knows when to put some news out. So he posted a video to his Instagram and his Twitter of him getting carried off the Heinz Field turf when the Steelers played the Patriots in the 2017 season in the Jesse James game where he's hobbling. Um, basically, he's got the trainers carrying him off the field and the crowd is roaring, chanting MVP, MVP. And he posted the caption below saying, one thing I understand about this fan base and that I'll never forget and always appreciate is your passion. Mm, okay. Know that it's all love this way. And I'm forever thankful for hashtag Steelers Nation. Little prayer thank you sign. And then in parentheses, he adds, this is not a goodbye, just a thank you. So the parentheses, you know, help me not jump off the bridge because I'll admit it to you. You know, we got to sit here and analyze this um, rationally. But how can you how can you analyze rationally 100 percent of the time when it comes to one of the most loved artists you've ever watched paint for the Pittsburgh football Steelers. It's painful going through this, and he's toying with our heartstrings. And I wonder if that last little parent, uh, parenthetical there is that to see if he can maybe salvage some of his public image, which we thought Le'Veon was trying to do last year. Like, okay, I want to have my cake and eat it too. I'm going to leave, but I still want the fans to like me. Or is that really sort of a, a crack in the armor in terms of, like, okay, I better start gaining these people back because I'm looking at my options, which he, he doesn't have any. If he gets traded, he doesn't choose where he, choose where he gets traded. Or is, he, is this like his way of sort of inching an olive branch out towards maybe I'm just going to toy with them for a while and then I will waltz back into Art Rooney's office and try and apologize and get back on the team. It does Please. feel a little bit like he's trying to walk it back. And what was he going to gain? I mean – Another team, is that, is that what he's looking for? It was just, did he feel like a jilted lover because the MVP or lack of targets? And we talked about this last week. He had plenty of targets. This is not uh, in the last five years. Obviously, this is the most, most touchdowns he's had. He's got plenty of receptions and targets. So I do wonder whether this was an attention getter and uh, he's gotten his fill of that and maybe walking it back. I mean, that'll be awesome. I'd be the happiest person. I, like I said, I don't buy all this, this crap about like, oh, you, you need to get the team continuity together. Oh, yeah, that's what's going to win you the Super Bowl. Continuity, not good players. Continuity is going to help you when you're down 24 to zero against New England and you have nobody to throw the ball to because Juju's quintuple cover. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, my theory really is this. He's a prideful guy. He's as prideful as a human being as you can get. That's sort of what you need when you're that elite of a performer, whether it's athletics or if you're over there in Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, if you're in Silicon Valley, you have some humility where you can accept other people's ideas. But AB has worked to get this far. And my feeling on this has always been he's going to be too prideful to ever give an apology. And he's decided that he wants out for this reason or that, or who knows what it is. And the Roonies have given him that possibility. Basically, it's like, hey, we're waiting for you to come in here. If you don't come in here, we're going to trade you. Okay, so if I want to get traded, all I have to do is not go in there. And he's a prideful guy. I, I would see it. I'd find it hard seeing him walk that back. But I agree with you in terms of, man, the grass is, is not always greener. Um, I do think there are some other teams like he wants to go to San Francisco so badly he could he could do pretty well over there and and, and for a couple other franchises as, as well in terms of getting what he wants, which I don't think like he wants stats. AB 
that is all that matters to him. He wants his brand. Sure, he wants to win the Super Bowl. He's a super competitive athlete. I'm sure he wants to win from that angle. You know, and winning the Super Bowl, everyone who plays wants to. But I think, uh, you know, the bigger thing to him, the bigger picture is the money he makes and the, and the personal brand he makes. I have a theory also, by the way, but on one of the main reasons why he is trying to get out of Pittsburgh beyond being mad at Ben for throwing teammates under the bus in interviews beyond, you know, feeling that his teammates are not working as hard as him. This Jerry Rice thing that's popped up. So Jerry Rice and him, they always talk, they stay in communication. And Jerry went on national media this week and told everybody that AB really wants to join the 49ers. Well, we all knew that because of the, you know, when he followed all the 49ers players, when he posted a mural of himself in his house that was formerly just a giant fat head of Antonio Brown in a Steelers uniform. Well, they cut it in half and they spliced in half of a fat head of Jerry Rice in his 49ers uniform. So they have this hybrid Jerry Rice, Antonio Brown fat head on the wall. So ooh, interesting. So he's fetishizing Jerry Rice. He always has paid a lot of respect to him. And I think that within the last couple of years here, as he's accumulated these monstrous numbers, I think he officially put Jerry Rice in his sights and wants to see if he can break his records and really become the GOAT wide receiver. The thing with Jerry Rice is his numbers are so unbelievably far ahead of the next competitors. He's always seemed legitimately untouchable. And like you can't argue that he's not the best receiver ever because his numbers are so far ahead of Moss and Owens and everybody else. But I do think if everything went right for Antonio Brown, he's probably the one guy that could ever catch him. He's gotten this huge volume number of catches. He stays healthy. That's one of Antonio Brown's skills. That was one of Jerry Rice's skills. Jerry Rice is so far ahead of everybody for a couple main reasons. First reason is because he was unbelievably good. Second reason was he played 20 years. Third reason is he played in an offense for, at the time, the best offensive coordinator in history, the best offensive mind with Bill Walsh. The next reason was he played with the Hall of Fame quarterback for the first part of his career, Joe Montana. And right when Joe Montana left, who did he play with? Another Hall of Fame quarterback, Steve Young. Ended up playing with Rich Gannon during his MVP year. So what I'm trying to say there is that A.B., I always knew this would be A.B.'s last deal with the Steelers because you figure that Ben will retire by the time this deal runs out. And once Ben's out of there, A.B. needs someone to throw him the ball. And I think he believes that he could have that type of longevity lasting 20 years in the league. And if anyone can do it, it's, the, it's that guy because the way he takes care of his body. And I think he's, he's fetishizing this Jerry Rice goal. And that's what his 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 goal is. Now that there's Juju on the Steelers, he's not going to get his 120 catch seasons every year. But there might be another team or two that is going to need to force feed him the ball like that. And maybe that's what he's thinking and trying to get out before, you know, Ben retires and Juju's taking some of his targets and stuff like that. Well, interesting. If you look at this, compare their statistics through, uh, what is it? Nine years, one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, four. And, uh, for AB, he is on track in terms of the number of receptions. That AB has 837 receptions. Jerry Rice had 820. Although Jerry Rice blows him away in terms of yardage. He had over 13,000 yeah. yards and 
AB is 11. So choose your statistic. But to your point, he's got AB has to hang in a long time. Although, you know, Jerry Rice really fell off the cliff at a certain point, uh, well, certain point for him. Sure. But that, that, that longevity is sort of hard to imagine in today's game. But Totally. We, we, we couldn't predict that. You can't – and no. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to do it. But I am saying if there's anyone to do it, it would be A.B. Because he his game isn't predicated on speed. It's, it's more quickness and precision and those great hands. And the way he takes care of his body, he could last a long time and get traded. And then, of course, this is all – this all hinges on the fact that the numbers are so much bigger for receivers now. So he's going to get to go at a, at a quicker pace because of the way people are throwing the ball and stuff like that. So maybe he just has that in his head. And like I said, his personal brand has really always been number number one for him since day one. So just a little theory I have there uh, regarding AB and his mindset. One other thing I want to do a rewind on our Rooney interview. He was uh, he did not agree with people who referred to the 2018 season as a circus. And this is a quote. He said, it's nonsense. We didn't achieve our goal of winning the division, but we finished half a game out and had a lot of opportunities to get there. And I, Bob Labriol is, he's great. He's just such a curmudgeon on uh, Steelers, Steelers, uh, com. <laughs> and on his ask and answer a week or so ago, somebody talked about the drama and he said, if you've been paying attention this, this is not new for the Steelers. Now, we're going back 40 years, but we're going back to the core where the Steelers built the reputation as the greatest football team ever. So in 1977, 1977 started out with a trial uh, for Ernie Holmes on charges of cocaine possession, followed then by a trial <laughs> where Chuck Knoll was uh, accused of uh, defamation because he had referred to George Atkinson of Oakland as the criminal element, which is true. <laughs> that's awesome that didn't feel good because under cross-examination mm-hmm. Noel was forced to include joe green mel blunt and glenn edwards as other other players who were part of that criminal element because they're dirty play fast forward a little ways a little longer mel blunt then reacted and uh threatened to quit and he actually sued chuck Noel for five million dollars in july <laughs> while Jack he was playing Lambert, for the Steelers. Why is playing for the Steelers in July of that year? Jack Lambert decides not to report to training camp because he doesn't think he's getting paid enough. And he's in the option year of a contract. He'd signed three years, three years before as a rookie. So Chuck Noll gets, gets cleared of his charges, but Glenn Edwards is done. He announced he's unhappy with his contract. He'd find every excuse to be unhappy. And he eventually left the team. Jack Lambert ups his ante. And um, he, he said he wants to get traded. So, Chuck Noll at that point cuts him out, doesn't make him captain of the team. This this is not said. <laughs> you always thought of Chuck Noll and those guys are just gritty men who never talked and just did their job. There was plenty of uh, plenty to go around back then, but as we were talking before the before the podcast, winning salves a lot of wounds. Winning salves a lot of wounds. Not having salary cap implications helps you as well. Like you would have lost half those guys. If you think Ben Roethlisberger is a drama queen as a quarterback, how about the four time Super Bowl winning quarterback who still won't go back to Pittsburgh for any of the reunions? I mean, Terry Bradshaw was trying to make country albums while he was playing, let alone Le'Veon making rap albums. So it it is hilarious. You just got to say that it's a joke. I mean, football is the most alpha male sport 
that there is. And really all sports are to, to an extent, you know, for men's sports and everything like that. But the element of battle and, and, and the violence that happens in football, you need to be crazy to do it. The element of the time commitment it takes, the extra time commitment, especially when you factor in film and the, the way that you need to keep your body uh, in a prime condition to, to dedicate to this game, you got to be a little bit crazy, right? Or a lot of bit crazy. So that's how it was back then. And I'll just say this. It's just based on media and the way media doesn't work or the, the way that it works or doesn't work at that time. Now, with the 24-hour coverage of everything sports, with the huge industry that it is, with social media giving you literally every second of the day, the drama is so good for TV. So the Steelers, we've always said that some of the drama that they've had has been overblown. It's like when Ben says – Washington needs to run under the ball to catch it. Is that really controversial? Did he get caught with a bag of cocaine at practice? No. Was Len Dawson smoking cigarettes on sideline during the Super Bowl? Yes. Was it awesome? Yes. What would happen if he did that now? The entire media industry would collapse in five minutes. So ESPN has a reason to make the Facebook Live thing a bigger deal than it than it was. They have a reason to make Le'Veon every time Le'Veon posts an emoji on Instagram into a big deal. And and I'm not saying all those things are okay, but I'm just saying that TV plays those things up bigger than they really are in a locker room. And these are guys who know each other and they're adults and they're professionals and everything like that. And that comparison that you gave is the perfect uh, analogy because when you, everyone thinks that that was why aren't they like they used to be well they are like they used to be so hey uh we have some action coming up this week and even though you have sworn off watching we can still participate in the festivities of the nfl playoffs we can and we can participate in those festivities by betting on the only site that we bet with my bookie and my bookie offers better in all major markets and entertaining lineup of gaming options. They got prop bets. So maybe today you can do, uh, well, I guess yesterday by the time this comes out, but you could have bet on will Patrick Mahomes throw more touchdowns with his right hand or his left hand? Will Tom Brady get six or 18? Roughing the passer calls, whatever you want. They, you can bet on fantasy scores. You can bet on the game within the game. And then they give you a bunch of great benefits for being fans of the Steelers Outpost podcast. And that helps us out as well. So if you're joining my bookie, which you should, make sure you use that promo code OUTPOST25 to activate the offer. So visit mybookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use that promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. You play, you win, you get paid. So let's talk about those conference championship games. We have the Patriots at Kansas City and the Rams at Nolens. It sucks that my my pain for football is at an all-time high. It does feel like the Steelers' empire is crumbling. And, of course, you guys, come on, you're you're in Rooney's hands. It's all going to be okay at the end of the day. But it's been a pretty horrific end of the season and a pretty terrible start to the offseason for the Steelers. I'm not going to deny it. But we're going to ride through it together. We're going to see what happens. This is the best slate of conference championship games I can remember in a while. Patriots at Kansas City. 
the Pats and Kansas City Chiefs played one of the best games of the whole year earlier this year in New England, came down to the wire. I think that was 43-40. And then the Rams at the New Orleans Saints, another great game where New Orleans stormed out to a huge early lead in the Superdome, and the Rams made a huge comeback only to be thwarted at the end. But these are the teams that deserve to be in there, right? You know, it was weird because these four teams seemed to peak early in the season. At midseason, it looked like they're unbeatable. Uh, maybe not the Patriots as much, but at the same time, it's like, well, they're the Patriots. So we know that they're going to be in the championship game for the ninth time in a row. And here we are. But <clears throat> it, it's just particularly adding in the fact that they're being played at Arrowhead. First championship game ever played at Arrowhead in the Super Bowl era. And in the Superdome, there couldn't be two better environments for football. And I think I will probably play them in the background. Obviously, we got to root for the Chiefs here in the interest of justice. And then who cares about the NFC, right? But they're going to be unbelievable games. The coaching matchups are awesome. The player matchups are awesome. It would be nice to see someone new in that in that uh, Super Bowl. Although, you know, Breeze versus Brady, that could go down in history too. So you really don't have a bad option this year as far as who's going to end up in the Super Bowl. What a thought talk about them we thought when we uh, planned the podcast, and we anticipate some more news next week. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter. We've got a lot of action going there at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or simply shoot us an old-fashioned email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.